0: Good morning. When we're out walking, there are times when we have to watch the path carefully. Our heads are down because the going is rough. We look at the detail. But at times we stop and look back and see how far we've come. We can see where we've got to and we appreciate the view. And I want to do that just for a minute or two this morning. In this letter to the Romans, The Apostle Paul describes in detail how a man can be made right with God and one day even share the glory which is to come. He's talking about the gospel, of course. And he works this out in the early chapters of his letter, showing how God forgives and receives ordinary sinful men and women as they repent. In chapter 5, he celebrates how wonderful this is. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No enmity, no condemnation. Then in chapter 6, he answers someone that says, if we were saved by grace, well, we can go on sinning just as before, and that will show God's grace to be all the greater. He answers by saying, don't you realize that God's grace has delivered us from the realm of sin and death? You've finished with that. By our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we have died to that realm of sin and death and are alive and translated into the kingdom of light, as he puts it elsewhere. We have a new status. And he says, don't you see how inappropriate it is for us to go on sinning? Don't behave as if you were a slave in that old realm. Chapter 7, he explains that our... New status of being united to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith means we are dead as far as the law is concerned. It can't touch us, it cannot condemn us. The law can and does show up the sinfulness of our hearts and it makes us realize how thankful we should be that we've been delivered through it, through the death of our Lord Jesus. Now, in chapter 8, he goes back to the theme of chapter 5, beginning with. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's our status again. Sinners, but forgiven, not under condemnation. And now he's going to explain the way God works in these forgiven people. Finishing up at the end of this chapter with the assurance that nothing on earth or in the spiritual realm can possibly celebrate the Christian believer from God and his love towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's work in us is certain. Or to quote another of the Apostle Paul's letters, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Not surprisingly in this chapter, we read about the work of the Holy Spirit a great deal. He's mentioned 19 times, and we can't go into all the that the chapter teaches. One thing it makes it makes very clear is that every Christian has the Holy Spirit. He says, anyone that does not have the Spirit of Christ—that is, the Holy Spirit—does not belong to Him. The Holy Spirit is at work in us in our minds, hearts, and wills, in our thinking, our desire, our choices. And he said Christians live according to the Spirit, not according to their own ideas. Or he says Christians are led by the Holy Spirit. That is not that the Holy Spirit drives us or forces us, But he teaches us, prompts us, encourages us to continue on our daily pilgrimage as disciples. This is part of normal Christian experience. Now we come particularly to the verses allotted for us this morning. They tell us about something wonderful and important in our new status as forgiven people. Something that affects our Christian experience. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And he goes on, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, we need to grasp this central truth here. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, and the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And here's another glorious truth of the gospel. Christian believers are sons and daughters of God. You have received the spirit of adoption, says. The Holy Spirit brought about your adoption. As believers, we know we're forgiven sinners. But that's not all there is to the Christian life. We're not just forgiven and reconciled, not just taken out of the realm of sin and death, not just freed from the condemnation of the law. Through Jesus, we become sons. And daughters of God. We are adopted. Part of the work of the Holy Spirit in us is to bring this home to us, to help us understand it, to appreciate it. Sinful men and women who've come to believe on God's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, are given the right to be called His children. Ordinary people like us, we have a new status. We are sons or daughters of God himself. Is that really true, asked someone? Did Paul invent it? Listen to the Gospel of John. Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That is not because we're creatures of God, as everybody in the world is, but because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a special relationship. In the Roman law of Paul's day, a man could deliberately choose to adopt someone as his son to perpetuate his name and to be his heir. This son would then have the legal status as his heir. Paul says God does that for us. In fact, in verse 17, Paul says, as Christians, as children, we are God's heirs and co-heirs with Christ. How remarkable that we are God's sons and daughters. Years ago, our family lived for four years in a small mining village in South Wales. Our house was just one in a long terrace. Years earlier, before there were showers and changing facilities at the pit head, miners would come back home black with coal dust, wash and change in front of the fire. Unavoidably they brought home from the mine in their clothes what were called bat- blackpats, a type of cockroach. These cockroaches got in and under the skirting board and flagstones. They invested every house. And even years later, they would come out at night when the lights were off. You could come down, you could get some stuff from the local council to drive them away for a time, but inevitably they came back. And if you had to get up in the night and go down to the kitchen for something, there they would be all over the floor when you put the light on. I really hated those cockroaches. I couldn't imagine being friends with one. By comparison, God has done much more than this. Not only in befriending us, forgiving us, but adopting us and giving us the status of a son or a daughter. If we could understand the greatness and glory of God, we would find this fact of a Christian believer being a child of God absolutely amazing. But it is true. The Apostle John found it amazing too. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Look at it. See how wonderful it is. Because it's not what we deserve. And to make sure we understand it, John says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. He says, and so we are. Now, irrespective of what we may feel, even when we don't recognize ourselves, we have a new status. And it's not temporary. It's permanent. Every true believer in our Lord Jesus Christ is adopted into the family of our Heavenly Father, in the here and now, not at some time in the future, and it's forever. As Christian believers, we need constantly to keep this in our minds. We're not just forgiven, we're adopted. That's our status. Be surprised. Be pleased. Now, for a few moments, let's just think about what the Holy Spirit has not done for us. The Apostle Paul says, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The Holy Spirit does not put you back into that old kingdom of sin and death. You were guilty slaves then. Nor does he direct you to the law because the law condemns you. He does not lead you back into fear. Rather, the spirit you brought about your adoption to sonship. But what fears might we have? Well, when we're thinking about our past life, when we really understood our situation in the past, the characteristic was fear. We knew we were condemned, but we have been raised by faith in Jesus to a new life. We don't have to carry the guilt of that old sinful life. We don't have to be afraid of God, afraid of his judgment anymore. But sometimes something makes us think back to our old life. We remember some of the things we did. Perhaps there's one particular thing. The thought comes, has God forgiven that? That was really bad. Will God bring me into judgment for that? Has he really forgiven me for everything? We lose our peace. We become fearful and anxious. That's the spirit of fear that Paul is talking about. He says, no, if you think like that, it's a spirit of fear. It doesn't come from God. It's not from the working of his Holy Spirit. Rather, Paul says, by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is a word, a name that only family can use. And he's saying the Holy Spirit at work in us makes the truth come alive and he leads us to pray. We don't just pray to God anymore. We pray to our Heavenly Father. Paul goes on, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The work of the Holy Spirit in us is not only to assure us that our sins are forgiven, but we have been adopted. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep us away from God. He encourages us to pray. All is forgiven. We are reconciled. He's our Heavenly Father now. That's as we may think about our past. What about our present? In our daily lives, what is God to us? Well, our status never changes. We are God's children and in his family. Now we are the objects of his love and care. We are children of an all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, glorious God. We say sometimes about him, too wise to err, too good to be unkind. Does that mean we'll face no setbacks or difficulties? Well, he's not promised us a charmed life. That's not what he's there for, and that's not his plan for us. We will, in fact, experience all kinds of problems and difficulties, personal difficulties, which can be part of everyone's life in this world those arising from our childhood and upbringing, the misfortunes and disappointments which can come to all, problems of health, income, marriage, bereavement and family. And we share in the troubles of our country and the world, disasters, war, a pandemic such as we have at the present time, Sometimes God's children seem wonderfully delivered, at other times they are not. And some troubles will come only because we are Christian, as many Christians around the world know only too well. Where is our Heavenly Father in all of this? He's bringing us to glory, as he promised. He's promised always to be with us in every trouble. Nothing will be greater than we can bear. We may not like it, may not want it, but whatever it is, we have his promise that no temptation, no testing will be too great if we rely on him. His grace, that is, his loving working in us will help us to bear it. Even more than that, If we continue to trust him, he will cause all circumstances to contribute to our final spiritual good. We don't need to fear. We need to trust him. Our past, our present life. And now what about the future? There is another fear that comes. We know that the true christian life can be a battle there is the pressure of the world that is the culture in which we live and we have to swim against the tide then there is the problem of our old sinful nature we know about the new birth the new life god has put within us but the old nature is still with us it deceives us all manner of wrong pops up like a weed from our own hearts And sometimes the pressure to fall away comes not from the outside, from the world around us, but from our own hearts. We know we have a spiritual enemy, the devil called the tempter. He too will deceive us if he can. The pressure seems so hard at times. We're tempted to ask, with all these pressures, will I be able to last? We say, I don't feel confident. I know what I'm like. What's going to happen to me in the end? One godly man of 300 years ago wrote a poem about God's forgiveness. He'd lived a fast and racy life before he was turned around by God. And he wrote about forgiveness for past sins and his continuing need for forgiveness. And then in his last verse, came to a fear that may dog us too. He said, I have a sin of fear that when I have spun my last thread, I shall perish on that shore. I am weak. I know my heart. The devil is strong. I fear for my end. What will happen to me, a sinner, at the end of my life? And for all these fears, we need to listen to the Apostle Paul as he comes to the end of his great argument about all that God has done and will do for his people. What is the end for those who have come to him and are saved? He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That is, all that we need for our spiritual well-being. He goes on, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God that justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In other words, God has forgiven us. We are entirely free from any kind of condemnation. We do not need to be afraid about sin and failure. What about troubles and hardships in our present life? What about COVID-19? Paul goes on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we can take that for our present experience. What about the future? When we have spun our last thread, as John Donne put it. Paul says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All this means no fear about the past, no fear about the present or the future. We are God's children now and will be always. What wonderful promises for Christians. If you're not yet a Christian, They could be yours. Would you not like them? As Christians, we need to keep these promises before us. Did you notice John Donne called it a sin of fear? I have a sin of fear. Why did he call it like that? Because he knows it's wrong to doubt the promises of God. Let's make sure we don't do it. So what was it the Apostle wrote? The Spirit does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received, the Holy Spirit, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, make this truth very real to us may it guide our thinking every day. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.